all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at University of Mississippi Medical Center and program director of the MedPeds Residency Program. Have you noticed that your child is spending more time tied to an electronic device? Are you worried about the amount of time that they're spending on their phone or iPad? And is their lack of physical exercise concerning you? We're going to be talking about electronic devices and screen time today, so we would love to hear your comments, questions, and any advice that you might have. You can share those with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send an email to kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. President Trump announced this morning his first foreign trip as president. He plans to visit Israel, the Vatican, and Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is the custodian of the two holiest sites in Islam. And it is there that we will begin to construct a new foundation of cooperation and support with our Muslim allies to combat extremism, terrorism, and violence, and to embrace a more just and hopeful future for young Muslims in their country. The president spoke before he signed an executive order designed to allow churches more freedom to endorse political candidates without risking their tax-exempt status. House Republicans say they're confident they'll pass a bill this afternoon repealing key parts of Obamacare. NPR's Scott Detrow has more from the Capitol. Last time they were set to vote on an Obamacare repeal, Republican leaders canceled the vote at the last minute. Today, House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy is much more confident. The bill will pass uh, somewhere around 1.30 today. But Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi is warning Republicans the bill will do them major political damage with voters. They will find out that their congressperson said it's okay to take health care away from 24 million people, and this could mean you. That's how many people would lose coverage over the next decade under previous versions of the bill, according to the Congressional Budget Office. Republican leaders are holding today's vote before the CBO can fully analyze the effect of the latest language. Scott Detrow, NPR News, the Capitol. The Senate is considering legislation to prevent a government shutdown this weekend. The $1 trillion bill would pay for federal programs through this fiscal year, which ends September 30th. The measure cleared the House yesterday and must be approved by the Senate and signed into law by the president by Friday night. Venezuela's top prosecutor has given a rare media interview criticizing the government. NPR's Philip Reeves says it comes as President Nicolas Maduro is facing a growing wave of protests. 
Venezuela's Attorney General, Luisa Ortega, spoke with the Wall Street Journal. It says she condemned the state's violent response to protesters. More than 30 people have been killed and many hundreds injured and arrested in a surge of unrest that began just over one month ago. Ortega also reportedly praised the constitution that Maduro now wants to scrap. It's unusual for a top official to criticise Venezuela's leftist government, but Ortega has spoken out before. In March, she denounced a Supreme Court vote stripping the opposition-controlled National Assembly of its powers, a ruling later revoked. Her latest criticisms emerged amid more violent clashes in which another teenager was killed. Philip Reeves, NPR News. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 34 points, the Nasdaq is down one point, and the S&P is down one point. This is NPR News from Washington. The Labor Department reports the productivity of Americans fell in the first quarter of the year, dropping at an annual rate of 0.6 percent. It was the biggest decline in a year. In a separate report out today, the Labor Department said fewer Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week after two weeks of increases. The unemployment rate for April comes out tomorrow. Scientists say they can predict how long a child's concussion symptoms will last by testing their saliva. NPR's John Hamilton reports on a study presented at the Pediatric Academic Society's meeting in San Francisco. Right now, doctors have no way of knowing whether a child's concussion symptoms will disappear in a few days or linger for weeks. So a team at Penn State Hershey Medical Center has been studying tiny fragments of genetic material that are released by brain cells after a concussion. Some of these fragments, called microRNAs, even turn up in saliva. So the Penn State team measured levels of these fragments in 50 children who'd been diagnosed with a concussion. And they found that levels of just a few microRNAs allowed them to predict with nearly 90% accuracy whether a child's symptoms would last for more than a month. The test's accuracy will need to be confirmed in a larger study before it sees wide use. John Hamilton NPR News. This year marks the 40th anniversary of the original Star Wars movie. Fans around the world are observing Star Wars Day. In the capital of Taiwan, Taipei, people took the day off work to dress up like characters from the movie and pose for pictures. Why is Star Wars Day today? It's May the 4th, as in May the 4th be with you. I'm Nora Rahm, NPR News in Washington. Support for NPR comes from the main office of tourism offering travelers an opportunity to explore and discover their very own main thing. To be inspired, be original, and be yourself at MainQuarterly.com and Americans for the Arts at AmericansfortheArts.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 MPB Ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at UMMC and program director of the MedPeds Residency Program. Well, May the 1st through the 7th, this week, is National Screen Free Week. I know. I'm throwing it out there, right? I didn't come up with this, but we're going to be talking about it this week. Today, we'll be talking about the potential impacts of screen time on your family. And we'll also be talking about physical activity and its effects on lifelong health. So if you're worried about how much your time, how much time your child or teen is spending in front of a screen... 
then we'll be talking about some ways you can get your family back on track. And as usual, we'll be taking your calls during the hour concerning any issues or topics that you might have a question or comment about. So you can reach us this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. So a lot of stuff going on this week that you should be aware of. Um, before I forget about it, because I tend to do that, I have a, usually a couple of things that I forget when we get to talking on the air. Uh, one other thing that is uh, sort of brought focus uh, for today is uh, today is Mental Health Awareness Day in children. And uh, we just about two weeks ago, uh, I believe, we uh, covered this with our uh, special guest, Dr. Susan Buttress from our own Southern Remedy relatively speaking, uh, joined us. And we talked about the mental health issues that are common in pediatric uh, age range and what you can do to uh, to uh, not only um, deal with those, but uh, to to really uh, just sort of know what, that what's out there and what your options are for treating those. So check that out. You can uh, look at the archive and uh, pull that up online um, at our website. Uh, that's Mental Health Awareness Day Today. Also big in the news, so the U.S. House of Representatives will be voting on a new health care bill today to repeal the American, uh, um, to repeal Obamacare. Uh, The new one is called the American Health Care Act. So learn all you can about this and, uh, hey, call your House of Representatives. You can do that by going to USA.gov, and they have a link there that says contact your federally elected officials and you can find out based on where you live who those are uh, from our state and uh, let them know what your opinion is one way or another on that. If you don't do that, they won't know, and uh, you can't complain about it later. There you go. So uh, that's today. So get involved in those issues that affect the health of you or your family. So screen time. I, you know, in the last probably three years, it's amazing how many uh, patients, uh, families come in when they bring their child in for routine visits and also for sick visits. And they say, oh, by the way, doc, can you please tell me how to get this phone away from them? Or I'll go in the room and everybody's on the phone and it's not a big deal to them. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with, uh, with the child. And, uh, you know, people are just, uh, so connected to those phones. I hear a lot of families complain about that when they go home, if they try to engage their child or their spouse sometimes um, about those electronic devices. And I get a lot of questions about, well, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate? Or, you know, is there, if there's a problem, how do you, how do you deal with that? So we're going to be talking about that today. And this is, uh, you know, a week where we can sort of concentrate on that and say, okay, if you can do it. I know a lot of people are sort of tied to their devices or screens uh, with their work. Certainly I'm that way. Uh, with the way that we engage in patient care uh, these days, and a lot of good things that we'll talk about uh, in just a few minutes about that. But how do you how do you disconnect, and what are the the pros and cons behind that that uh, those screen time that we talk about? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And would love to for you to chime in on the conversation. Maybe you've been dealing with this yourself. Or maybe you've dealt with it and you've been pretty successful in that. We would love for you to share that information with those people out there who are in the struggle. So let's talk a little bit about the impact. This is a recent study that just came out. I found this really fascinating. So from kids, this is a study from kids uh, 8 to 18 years of age, so mainly school-age children. 
and they looked at the time that they were on their screens. Now, this could be a phone, this could be an iPad, uh, this could be the computer, video games when they get home, TV time, all that counts. Anything with a screen that you're looking at it, when we talk about screen time, that's what we mean. So they looked at the total amount of time and compared it to other activities. And this is just, I mean, it's mind-boggling. It makes sense when you think about it. So kids 8 to 18 years of age in the United States, they spend more time on their screens than any other activity except sleeping. So let that sort of sink in. So more time on those screens than any other activity besides the amount of time that they sleep. And, of course, that screen time does affect sleep. I mean, that's one of the negative things about it. But there are advantages to that. There's lots of things that are good about our access through those different devices and what they can do for us. So they are tools, and I tend to, you know, sort of get uh, patients and their families to think about that. These are tools that you use to do what you need to do. And, yeah, there are a lot of uh, recreational activities that you can do on there, playing games, all that kind of stuff. But you need to know the pros and cons. So the advantages... Well, the number one advantage, of course, is the rapid access to information. So when I was growing up, back when the dinosaurs were still here and men were men and women were women and all that jazz, uh, back in the 70s, you know, we didn't even have the Internet then. And if you wanted to go find something out, you either had to go to the library, you had to ask somebody that was much older than you or had a lot more experience in that area. Or, you, you know, in our house, we pulled out the encyclopedia uh, that was in the bookshelf, and you looked it up, and there were updates to things that you would look up. So you had to go physically to something to do that. Well, now, if you think about it, uh, you you really don't need to have much of a process. You can just pick up your phone and ask Siri, or you can uh, you know Google something, uh, use your search, favorite search engine. It's interesting in the medical field, um, when devices uh, like that, you know, particularly cell phones that were uh, connected to the internet when they first came out, and we would ask questions. And part of the teaching process for medical students is how do you find information if you don't have it? Because we get stumped all the time. I mean, there's there's a lot of instances when a patient presents with something you don't know what's going on, but you need to get more information on that. And while we used to go to textbooks. Uh, and then the Internet came along. We went to different medical search engines, and there's a lot out there. PubMed is one of the most uh, most common ones. And now, um, you know, sort of toward consumers, toward the consumers in medicine, which are the patients, there's a lot of search en- engines that, uh, and a lot of, of medical societies that have sort of targeted that so that they can access that information. Well, when that first started coming out, a lot of people would just use Google to find the answer to a question and you know, for about five or six years, that was really looked down on by the medical profession, by teachers such as myself, because we were like, yeah, that's not going to give you the most accurate answers. It's not going to give you something quite as fast as if you were using a reputable uh, medical search engine. Well, what we know now is things are so connected uh, with the internet that really you can, if you use the right filters, you can get the same effect just by using Google. If you look for scholarly, you know, articles on something or trying to, uh, to, uh, find the answer to a question, you just have to know what you're doing and how to do that. So certainly advantages in access to information and how rapid that is. You can keep in touch with both people and what you do and your work a lot easier. That's probably a plus and a disadvantage. 
And then the educational aspect, I don't have to go to an encyclopedia. I can learn a lot about something, in fact, a ton of stuff about something, much more than what I could learn in the past. And then how efficient you are. Since we are so tied to that in our work, uh, you know, we have uh, just about every medical clinic I can think of at least is in the process. Uh, even those way out in the community, there's very few that are that are not using electronic health records uh, to keep up with information on their patients, to share that information with other people. And I can't tell you that the pluses, you know, are, are just innumerable to to uh, to state about that. We used to have to go uh, run down a physical chart on a patient. Now we can just look up a lot of that information uh, online. I can access when I'm on a call and I get calls about patients, I can access that information through my phone, through a secure uh, app uh, to, to look at that information. So lots of pluses with that. And, you know, kids are tend to be more efficient. I mean, how many times have you asked your child or grandchild, hey, can you uh, show me how to set this app up or can you show me, you know, with my phone how to do this? So exposure to those kinds of things tend to, uh, progress toward efficiency when they get older. Um, there are some, uh, in particular, uses for healthcare needs uh, with uh, therapy with a lot of different conditions. There's been a lot of research and a lot of good things to come out uh, in the autism era uh, of, of therapy with kids uh, uh, using iPads, for instance, as a communication device. One of my patients uh, actually uh, did this very successfully. Uh, and was able to communicate uh, for the first time with me and with his uh, family more effectively and with others uh, through the use of a lot of apps that allow them to process information and express that information through electronic means. So there's a lot of advantages, a lot of educational tools that you can use with your kids um, early on and as they get older. Certainly uh, it's taught in schools, in most schools now. Uh, the importance of that. We're talking about electronic medical, uh, excuse me, not electronic medical devices, although some of them are, electronic uh, devices and screen time today. If you're struggling with this and you or your family, you can give us a call this morning and we'll try to answer your question. You can reach us by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break. that you no longer need and is collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, call us at 877-MPB-4-CAR or visit mpbonline.org slash support. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. 
to listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show, kids at mbbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about screen time. How connected is your child or adolescent to that device? And before you strangle their neck and throw that thing across the wall that you paid for, uh, we're going to be exploring some ways that you can disconnect from it and teach that to them and maybe disconnect uh, yourself too. sort of little positive reinforcement there. So lots of different aspects about screen time. We were just discussing some of the advantages uh, that having a device that you can get information quickly uh, can uh, benefit you and your family. But you have to be careful. There are lots of disadvantages, too. We'll get to those in just a second. But first, I want to go to our callers. Let's go to Kara and Jackson. Good morning, Kara. Uh, good morning. Um, I just had a question. I have a, a three-year-old who we, we did really good with living in screen time until he was, like, after two. Now he just has a couple of programs he watches. We, we love MPB. He watches Daniel Tiger, I think we, we let him watch Elmo and maybe one other thing. Um, but now we have a new baby who we, we also want to kind of have no screen time until he's two, but I, I think it's going to be tough now that we've kind of let the older ones start watching and just trying to see if there's any recommendations on when you have kids at different ages and letting one do one thing and still trying to limit it with the younger one. Um, and I'll be happy to take it offline and just looking for some input on keeping the, the younger one off. I think that's the recommendation until they're, they're about two. So I think it's just going to be hard because they're two boys, and I think they're going to be really close. And Yeah. And you said pull you, the plug on the older one. <laughs> well, you'd hate to do that after you've introduced something. I mean, it is a little bit more difficult. You said the older one is three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so so those are good points. So there is a, a graded approach to to screen time, and the reason there are limits is because there are some negative things that can happen with that. You know, uh, in the, the first few years of life, really, you know, we're learning, you know, continually. Uh, the brain actually develops very, very quickly in those first few months and and years of life. So it has to have the proper stimulation. What we know about early introduction of screen time in those individuals is that it does a couple of different things. Number one, it's rewiring the brain. So when your child, particularly if they're less than a year of age, if they're on a screen a whole lot, if they're in front of a TV, if they, when they can handle them, you know, an iPad or something like that, um, they, they are, their brains are being wired according to that use because that's how our brains work. And it can set up a lot of patterns later on. What we need, what we know about, uh, about neurocognitive development is we need stimulation in a lot of different ways when we're younger. And you outlined, you know, very clearly about what the, the recommended limitations are for those devices. Less than a year of age, probably they don't need much of, of interaction in that. And you think about it. What can they do? I mean, they can hold it and look at it. I've seen kids pick up a lot of, you know, different behaviors, particularly between the ages of 9 and 12 months, where they can look at that and very quickly know how to, you know, scroll through things as they get 
up, upwards of a year to two years of age. Um, but you, I, I would agree with setting some limits on that. Now, if you, it sounds like you've got some appropriate limits for that three-year-old. Usually, in the preschool age, you don't want them to to use those kinds of things uh, more than about an hour a day. Uh, and you would set limits the same way you would set limits for other things. If you think about it, I, you know, sometimes we have we sort of assign special uh, preference to to that phone or iPad. Um, but yeah, that, I, I think you need to do that in the same way that you would have limitations for other things for your kids. Um, I, I would recommend maybe, uh, I, I'm sure you've done this already. You know, when you first start to introduce those, you never should just put a device in front of a child and let them go to town on it, particularly if they're younger than age two, um, in the same way that you would read books to children, and do things do things with them under the age of two, you'd want to do that with a device if you're going to use it for something like that. Um, but I would I would try to do that separately. Um, you know, there's going to be a whole lot. I, my kids are three years apart, too, and we had our share of, uh, you know, the younger one wanting to do everything that the older one's doing, play with the same toys, uh, lots of, of instances, you know, where that can be a breakable toy. Maybe it's not appropriate for that younger one. You don't want to penalize either child with the exposure to that. So sometimes different spaces for those activities are a, a good idea. And I would say for a three-year-old, I, what, I, I don't know if you're doing this, Kara, right now, but the time that they spend on that device, you know, they shouldn't be in control of that time. You still, at age three, should be in control of that time period. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. I, you know, if you can, if you can do that, and maybe have a different space for that child uh, while they're using that. And the other thing you brought up was was the appropriate material that's age appropriate uh, for them. And and certainly, there are a lot of stuff out there that's good material that can uh, not take the place of, but be something that you add to what you would normally do with reading to them, with developing those gross motor skills, those fine motor skills, those social skills. And that's probably one of the ones that most people worry about is interacting with somebody who is, uh, you know, has a real face. But that, that's just a couple of things that are recommended. Uh, and if you use time and space, you know, uh, doing things different for the in a different space or room for the three-year-old, if you can, a lot of times you can't do that. I know, you know, you get busy, you got to put them together and maybe the three-year-old can occupy the, the one-year-old's time. Um, but those are some of the things that I would I would do where you're not cutting back so much on that. Well, how much time that three-year-old's using it. Great. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks for calling. Yeah, that's, that's difficult when you have multiple kids doing multiple d- things. But, you know, that's always been a problem. Uh, it's inter- interesting. As my younger son got older, he started doing a lot of things, particularly with Legos. And he would, it sort of flip-flop. Like it was my younger son that had great concerns when his older brother played with his toys uh, because he was going to break something uh, that uh, those fights erupted. Um, but, uh, you know, you have to be sort of creative with that and creating your own space if you can if you can do that. A lot of people, you just have to do what you got to do. I mean, I know a lot of families that, you know, an 18-year-old was sharing a bedroom with a one-year-old, and that's just the way they had to do it in their family. But uh, being sort of creative about that, but but really important, you don't want to just put an electronic device in the hand of a toddler uh, and say, here, play with this, look at this. You really want to do it with them, particularly under the age of two, 
as they get older, they might can do some things with those devices. But the two biggest things that you can control with your kids are time and and space, like where they are uh, in the rooms playing with things. So, um, you know, you have to be creative about that a lot of times. So we're talking about electronic devices and screen time today on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. You can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Rachel and Jackson. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Um, I like to discuss the electronic medical records again. Yes, um, that's that's very helpful to so many people, I think. But like a lot of things, you know, I think we skip over the basics sometimes. And I know as a patient of UMC and a user of my chart, it has been extremely helpful to me as the patient. And I know it's got to be helpful to my physicians at UMC in that they don't have to duplicate. Uh, I don't have to pay for uh, duplicate test and they can you know like an orthopedic can see what uh you know the kind of uh i mean the you know another doctor put in there right so it, it really is to the benefit of the patient and the physician and so it's great and i applaud umc for that system but let's say uh you go you go to umc for orthopedic and then you go to somebody else for another service their service is not can they print, even though they have their own electronic medical records, can they transfer those records to a different electronic medical record? Uh, yeah, that's that, mean, that's a big issue with the electronic medical records. So we don't have one system unless you're in the VA system. V, the VA has a system called CPRS that they've had uh, in, in place for a, a good many years now, and every... Veterans Association Medical Center or outpatient clinic uses that system. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a single system uh, for other, you know, medical clinics or hospitals. So Epic uh, is is one of those that uh, a lot of people use. You mentioned that with with uh, University of Mississippi Medical Center using that. A lot of people, other people, do use uh, Epic as well, but not everybody does. So the big one of the issues with electronic records is. How does one electronic medical record system talk to the other system? And um, it can be challenging sometimes. So uh, that's not been as successful as most people would like it to be. In other words, I can't just go in on a patient that I'm seeing uh, as a consult for, let's say, hypertension, and then access in, in a different type of medical record what their physician has done so we still have to go back to some of the older methods of doing that, like faxing records that are scanned into the electronic medical record. So we, uh, in Epic, there's a media tab where we have um, records like that. Um, if they do have Epic uh, in another system, there's there's an a way there's a way to do that uh, to transfer that information back and forth. Um, what we I tell you what we train people all the time, our residents and our students. You can get so frustrated and involved in searching for that information in that electronic medical record. Uh, you just have to stop when you get to that point, when you get you know, to a couple of roadblocks, and just say, "What's your What's your physician's name that that you're you know trying to get that information from?" And I just call them. There's nothing that takes the place of of talking to somebody, you know, over the phone 
uh, even more face-to-face about something. And there may even be some things that, that are left out of the medical record if the documentation doesn't really tell you that you just need to talk to somebody who knows that person. So I always recommend that. There's nothing that takes the place of that conversation that you can have with somebody. I'd say they've gotten they've gotten better, Rachel, but we still don't, in another system like that, it is really hard for that system to talk to another system. And well, that's, May I say just one more thing? Sure, go ahead. I, I read something extremely interesting uh, several months ago in that France has the number one health care system in, in the world, okay? They don't have electronic medical records. They, every individual has like a little, you know, device that has their complete medical history and test, et cetera, on there. So when they get to the physician, they've got everything. They just give their, you know, jump drive or whatever it is to the physician, and it's all right there. And they don't have to fool with electronic medical records, and it cuts down on the cost to their uh, healthcare system tremendously. Yeah, that's one of the ways a lot of countries have done that, where the uh, responsibility of the medical records is on the patient. And actually, that's that's common even in very poor countries who don't have, uh, you know, good good healthcare systems. And there's lots of ways to judge one one healthcare system against another, just you know, in, in different aspects. Of course, the disadvantages there is you you have to have that if you're in an emergency. You go into the ER, you know, if you don't have that jump drive on you all the time, you may not have access to that information. And then if, you know, if you're, if you're, you have to have that from the patient right then and there. So it's, it's a lot of. Chances are, you know, if you're in an emergency situation, it's just like we were just saying, you're not going to have that information anyway. So, yeah, I was. I, I just meant if you're, you know, if you're in the system, like if uh, you know, if I was an emergency physician and then somebody was being seen at UMC, you can get that information. But we still call people, even if we have, you know, the information, just to double check a lot of times. So uh, they're good. They have a lot of information, but there's also you. You can't. Uh, it's it's incredibly important to realize you can uh, the the information that you have through an electronic health record should never replace talking to that patient, talking to other people, because that's the the history part of what we get in trying to come up with a diagnosis and a treatment plan for somebody. Uh, You can run into a ton of problems just going off that electronic medical record. So it's a tool, like we mentioned earlier. Um, And uh, when we come back for this break, there's a a good book by a guy. Actually, I'll go ahead and tell you, uh, Bob Wachter. Uh, it's called The Digital Doctor. It talks about electronic health uh, records and the pluses and minuses on those. But uh, thanks for uh, asking that question, Rachel. We're talking about screen time this morning on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. You can call us this morning by reaching us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after this break. a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. 
and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. The U.S. and allies in Asia are worried about North Korea's nuclear program. So this week, the U.S. deployed an advanced anti-missile system in South Korea. But it's not so popular with some South Koreans. I'm Robert Siegel. How the THAAD missile defense system works and how it's creating new problems with China. That's this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're talking about screen time, how that affects your children, your family, and maybe what are some of the ways we can unplug from that or at least set limitations for it that are appropriate for your child and your family. You can reach us this morning with your questions or comments by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kids at mpbonline.org. So we talked about some of the negative effects of screen time. Certainly there's a lot that we don't know about that just because we haven't studied it or we haven't seen some of the effects long term. But there are a lot of concerns about the neuropsychological development of a child and some of the appropriate things that they need, particularly interaction with parents. A, a good analogy for this before we had uh, you know, uh, screens or devices that our, our kids and we were looking at um, you know, kids that didn't have that interaction, even if it wasn't screen time, they had more problems with socialization skills as they grew older uh, and in learning different things. Uh, uh, reading comprehension, we know that early exposure and just reading to a child, even before they can read themselves, is very important in developing those skills that they'll need uh, no matter what they're doing lifelong later on. Uh, you can't skip those kinds of things either and then go back to them. So it's really important that they happen in a uh, in a stepwise process. So a lot of that's definitely concerns. Think about your own kids. How many times have you asked them a question and they're looking down, particularly teenagers, and they're looking down on that phone and they don't ever look up at you? And for those of you who are my age probably or older, that is sometimes it can be infuriating because it's not respectful for you or whoever else that they're uh, they're talking to. They need to be uh, practicing those good skills. Certainly, you know, in finding jobs and for job performance later on, uh, those are, are things that come up from time to time. Even surprisingly, even with medical students, there's been a couple of medical students that when we went from when we've gone from room to room talking about a patient on rounds in the hospital. Uh, that they're on those phones uh, texting somebody, and I have to tell them, hey, uh, that's sort of some unprofessional behavior you got going on there. You probably need to not do that. Uh, and it's it's amazing that that's never come up to that point. So there's a lot of things that may not be uh, as important as the neuropsychological development, but certainly with um, things like finding a job, uh, interacting with other people, and making friends, those are all things that are important. 
Well, one thing about screen time is it displaces other time that you could be doing other things. So exercise is one of those, and certainly uh, the obesity problem is tied in part, not totally, but uh, in part to screen time. We know that particularly between the ages of four and nine, that increased screen time correlates with obesity rates so that the more time you spend in front of a screen, the less time, uh, the, the, the more you eat and the less time that you engage in physical activity. Um, so that's a, a big direct effect that you're just displacing that. Uh, you, instead of doing the things that kids are sort of designed to do, which is uh, to be kicked outside and uh, play around and uh, do all the kinds of things that they do outside uh, and in the house too, um, you're on that screen. Sleep is another one. We've talked about this before on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. Uh, certainly if they're using those devices Within an hour of the time that they go to bed, that's been uh, shown to decrease the total amount of sleep and the quality of sleep that they receive. The wavelength of light, which there have been some improvements of this in certain devices to shift away from those uh, bluish uh, wavelengths of light down into the amber wavelengths of light later on in the night. You can set up device some of these devices like that. Um, but it doesn't take the place of saying, hey, this is the time we put the device up. Uh, and lots of other things that we just don't know about. We don't know its contribution to attention deficit disorder maybe later in life. A lot of people early on said these are the the best devices if you have attention deficit disorder because they can keep kids engaged from one thing to the other. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't really pan out to extrapolating that to things in the classroom or later on uh, to work or socialization activities. So it's not a, a very good therapy if you want to look at it that way. So a lot of lot of negative things that we know about those devices that have to do mainly with time uh, that they're spending on them. And just to remind you, you know, that again, going back to that study of 8 to 18-year-olds, that screen time was the number one activity um, um, excluding sleep that they did as far as time. And that's, that's a lot. I mean, it's a full-time job if you want to look at that that way for a lot of teens. They're spending more than 40 hours a week on a device. Um, when they could be and should be doing other things. We talked a little bit about uh, about ages with Kara, uh, you know, about appropriateness of time. Uh, from what we know about the effects of, of these devices on, on, uh, on development with screen time, if it's less than about, if you've got a child that's less than about 18 months of age, really you need to limit that as much as you can. If you are going to do something at those ages, I don't know, a lot of families, they use uh, FaceTime, they use video conferencing or chatting uh, to connect those kids with a family member that may not be there. Maybe they're deployed in our armed services overseas. Those are great techniques to keep them engaged uh, with somebody with a face. And and I'm not talking about those. I don't, you know, here if, if you're going militant on me here uh, about the, you're, you're less than 18 month of age and you've got a spouse that's somewhere else and you're trying to connect them with them or other family members, that's okay. Uh, 18 to 24 months, again, quality apps. So what are you choosing with the content for them? Uh, And then, you know, you want to limit those at least uh, limit it to less than one hour a day, maybe even less time than that. Preschool, about the same thing, less than one hour a day. School-age children and adolescents, really less than two hours a day. And that can be a challenge, again, as they get older and trying to instill those habits in them and thinking about it as a, um, you know, as a, a variable of time, content and connectivity. So the time that they're on there, the content that they can view 
And then what can they connect to? I mean, we have to be careful about that. And unfortunately, we have a lot of apps out there that are inappropriate, that are so easy to access, a lot of content, certainly on the Internet, uh, that is inappropriate for children uh, and adolescents. So you, you want to be aware of that. Be smart about it. If you don't know about it and your kids are using it, you need to find somebody that does know about that so that they can help you limit that. And there's a lot of ways to do that. Now, I understand kids are going to try to you know buck the system and try to do a work around a lot of those things, but you can be pretty smart about it uh, and try to limit those as much as possible. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about connectivity with our screen devices today and a little bit about physical activity as well. We would love to hear uh, your questions or comments. Still got time for those this hour. You can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 or send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. You know, there's a lot of family media plans out there, too. And uh, again, a lot of the ways that you can limit some of these devices or some of the media that they can look at uh, is through a lot of the apps or with the service that you're using. So in thinking about that, as you, you know, number one, they're going to sell you something. They wanna, they're going to want to sell you something, an app to do something. Make sure it's appropriate for the age of your child, for the health of your child. If you already have a child that is dealing with issues like obesity or other chronic uh, health issues, you might want to think about the ways that you limit that screen time that might uh, you know, might make those worse over time. And then the temperament of your child. If your child uh, gets, uh, if you notice after he goes to somebody else's house and uh, plays some video games and he comes home and he is just irate mad and wants to blow everybody away at the age of seven, uh, then you might want to limit some of those more violent games. Certainly that's that we know that that creates or at least in, uh, encourages those behaviors in children particularly boys who play those, but also girls. Um, so you, you have to think about that, too, uh, about the time that they, they spend on those and the temperament of your child and how they react to it when they're exposed to it. Uh, can't say enough about routine, how important that is. So establishing a daily routine and sticking to it is extremely important, not just with with limitations on screen time and device use, uh, but also with anything that you're trying to to get your child to sort of incorporate. Now, you can have deviations to that, certainly holidays, uh, trips, uh, and you need to have discussions before you go on those trips with your spouse or whoever else is going to be involved in it and your children about what's expected on those. Uh, and the biggest thing is modeling good behavior. So how many times have you, here I'm stepping on some toes, including my own, how many times have has your child seen you Break those rules that you lay down for them with the, either the amount that you spend on a device or in screen time or in different situations that's inappropriate. Um, we need to be thinking about that and the, the models that we lay down for our kids. Let's go to Sue in Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Hi. I, I was wondering, is, isn't two years old awfully young to allow a child access to an, an electronic device? Isn't that establishing uh, addictive behavior for children as they get older? I mean, it's, it sounds like a very addictive thing. 
Yeah, it can be. And I think you have to be careful about what you're doing. Now, certainly I didn't, if it sounded like that I was encouraging people to use it less than, you know, two years of age or somebody else was, I, I don't think that was the intent. There are a lot of educational apps that can help with uh, letter recognition with phonomics about how that they, you know, uh, um, develop some of the speech skills that can not take the place of doing those, but it can be something else that you use uh, less than two years of age. But certainly I would not recommend uh, you just giving a device to them and letting them play, particularly some of the games are addictive. And there needs to be an expectation that you're using it with them. Because when when the children get to the point where they can't take their all eyes off their devices it, that's that's addiction and yep you're in right old days and you know like i'm a dinosaur too and it, when your parents said stop and the kids whine why is that because I, i'm i said no quit you can't do that but I, people don't talk to children like that anymore so yeah. Otherwise, you know, yeah, you're right. They should. At, at one of the problems with, and, and you're right, these are our d- addictive type behaviors. It actually is a uh, described addictive behavior uh, with video games. So there's a criteria for that. But basically anything that they can't stop, uh, you need to put some limitations around that. Now, uh, you know, I would start out with time limitations and just say, okay, that's it. And But I, I don't think it's it's certainly a good thing to give children boundaries, and uh, particularly around the ages of three or four, uh, and also when they're adolescents, they need boundaries because they are really testing those boundaries. The worst thing you can do is let them do whatever they want. Well, it doesn't. It seems maybe I'm just looking at it from a dinosaur perspective that that children just seem like they don't have any limitations anymore because parents let them do whatever they want to do i don't know yeah no i think that's a good observation a lot of families take the approach that you know if they want to do it then they can do that i I deal a lot with that with uh obesity and hypertension with food preferences i know a lot of families will say well my my kid won't eat anything they're a picky eater all they'll eat is uh hamburgers and french fries uh and you know what i would have said well it, that's good, but when you get hungry, you can eat what's on the table. I'm not going to cook sure. something special yeah, for you. Yeah, sure. It's it's a and that's similar to what I tell families is, um, you know, it's it's a parent's job to give them healthy choices to choose from, uh, in in the appropriate portion size. So, thanks, Sue, for good wisdom about how to approach different things. And hey, just remember boundaries necessarily it's not being mean to your child it's tough love it's benefiting them and they don't have to be your friends because you're the parent uh they can be your friends when they grow up so thanks for calling sue we're talking about electronic media use screen time and lots of other things we're going to take a short break when we come back we're going to finish up our discussion still time for you to call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. we'll be right back after this break for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. 
Next time on Mississippi Roads, Mississippi celebrates its bicentennial in 2017, and we take a look at some of the state's history. In addition, we feature a story on Tejada, the first Capitol building in the state. It still stands in Natchez. And we take a look at the Key Brothers' historical flight over Meridian, which resonates even to this day. I'm Walt Grayson. Join me on Mississippi Roads. Thursday at 7 p.m. on MPB TV. News you can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, kids and teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show kids at mbbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we're we've been talking about screen time, all those electronic devices that seem to be implanted in your child's or teen's hands. Eyes, ears maybe, all over the place. And ours as well. Now, sometimes I want to just take my phone and just chunk it as far as I can uh, as I can do that. But they do are helpful in some ways, and we're pretty much tied to those in what we do. It's just in how we use those, um, particularly with our children and, and uh, adolescents. Uh, we've got a couple of more minutes for a call. If you want to um, sneak one in, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Now I mentioned that this week is National Screen Free Week, so the challenge there is, and we're already well into that week. Uh, I would say the challenge from me to you and your family is try to do this next week. Uh, and I know of uh, there's a, a a guy that I follow online that uh, advocated. Um, uh, taking a fast from electronic devices once a week. And great, great uh, recommendation. And if you can do this, I would recommend doing that, modeling that for your kids as an adult, uh, but uh, also getting them to do this is to fast at least some period of time, particularly on the weekend when you don't have to be on that uh, that device, uh, then do that. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you the benefits that you'll see over time, if you make that a habit of of your family, um, and I, I'll tell you what, you know, I got a 16 year old and a 13 year old. Some of the best times these days are when they're disconnected from those devices, uh, and we're talking about stuff. And that, those are golden times just to spend with them doing other things. So that's that's my recommendation and challenge to everybody out there is to take advantage of this. Uh, National Screen Free Week and, and try to do that with your family this next week. And think about, it's not just unplugging from the devices. It's what are you going to fill up that time with? And there's lots of things that you can do to fill up that time. Exercise is one. You don't have to make it complicated, particularly for your child or your adolescent, but make it fun. It needs to be something that everybody can do at the same pace uh, and uh, spend time with them doing something. Um, think of other with times. What do I mean by that? Well, those are times that you can spend with them, not necessarily spectating them. Uh, those are important. I know it. You know, sports are sort of winding down for a lot of schools right now. We're sort of in between times. Um, that's great that you're there, but also think about things you can do with your child, whatever their ages. Um, it, it's sort of a, a, a misconception that as they grow older that, that you can't do things with your kids. You certainly can do that. 
so have some discussions about that. Pick some things that you can do with them. It doesn't have to be, again, elaborate or long periods of time. Maybe it's just 15 or 20 minutes that you're hanging out with them doing something. Um, reading, hey, that's one. So picking up a book and having your child reading something, um, okay, it might count if it's on an electronic device, but preferably not like a hard cover book or you know soft cover book that they can pick up and read. And it's really interesting. I didn't, had not thought about this. I saw an article on uh, on daydreaming, and you know daydreaming is something that's important for kids to do, uh, particularly school age kids. Um, it, they don't have to be, you don't have to rush in and say, well, they're bored. They're just sort of staring out the window or staring off in the distance, just daydreaming about something. Um, you don't have to fill up that time. That's good time for reflection. It's one of those things as teenagers and adults that we don't do a whole lot of, uh, is reflect on things. If you think about yourself, if you already have a device that you're using on a regular basis, it's probably hard to put that thing down when you wake up in the morning. That may be the first thing that you uh, that you reach for, and uh, you know that's that may not be a good thing in all those situations. So you might want to disconnect and maybe daydream or reflect on things. So think about some things that you can uh, insert in there. And certainly, you know, with a lot of the problems we have with lack of exercise, exercise can be a great activity that you can do uh, and should do on a regular basis. Uh, instead of filling up the time. That, there's certainly times as a parent that I thought, you know what, if I could get my kids out of my hair for at least five minutes so I can do something that I need to do right now, uh, that's that's exactly what you need to do every once in a while. But, but, uh, you got to think about what you're giving them. Are you going to sit them down in front of the TV? Are you going to give them a device that they need to, uh, that they do things on? Uh, certainly there's some other things that you can do. Certainly exercise can prevent cardiovascular disease, can prevent uh, heart disease and stroke, uh, has impacts on just about every chronic illness that you can think of that are positive. Even some of the things that we uh, reserved activity for in the past, uh, we're, we're doing more and more of that. Complex congenital heart disease, uh, certainly we want those children to to engage as they get older in appropriate physical activity levels uh, that are approved by their physician. Uh, osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, everything pretty much benefits from the effects of exercise. Even not necessarily the body itself, but the brain certainly benefits from that increased blood flow and all those good things that happen during exercise activities. Um, bone building for later in life, uh, things that where kids are jumping up and down and uh, doing things that uh, sort of load those bones and stimulate those bones to get thicker with time. Uh, all those things need to happen earlier if they're going to have lasting effects. And certainly flexibility and balance. A lot of the injuries that we see nowadays, uh, you know, a lot of it may be attributable to kids just not getting out and, and uh, getting around like they used to. And uh, when you don't do that, you don't train those muscles and the brain to really interact with the environment in the way that that it should so that you prevent them from tripping, falling, breaking a bone, uh, tearing a muscle or, or a tendon or ligament. So a lot, of, a lot of research within the world of physical therapy on that too, particularly in kids and trying to prevent those injuries. Well, thanks to all our callers this morning. That's all the time we have for today. Hey, take that challenge. Try to disconnect from those devices this week and set some limits for both you and your children. 
uh, during National Screen Free Week. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from you, our listeners. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. Our uh, call screener, I believe, was Jason Klein. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. You can join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.